Ryan pastors Pathway Community Church in Marietta, Ohio. And around the 2015-2016 range when God was laying on our heart to get into church planting, Ryan's email was the first one to hit Pastor Greg's box with some details about what he's doing. He says, I want to plant. I'm a planter. We said, great, that's who we need to know. And so Ryan was the first partnership that we initiated to plant Pathway Community Church in Marietta, Ohio in 2016. Of course, recovery through COVID, moving into a new building. They now worship over 300 people on a Sunday morning. It's amazing. And so what I want you to do, Union Chapel, I want you to stretch your hands out to Ryan. We're going to pray for him. And symbolically, we want to bless and pray for Pathway Community Church, that what God has done, he will multiply. Lord, thank you so much for Ryan and Jana and their kids. Thank you that they're here with us this weekend. Lord, what you began in 2016, we claim today as only the beginning. Lord, multiply it. Expand the borders of the kingdom of God in Marietta through the Millers and their faithfulness. Lord, use Ryan today to speak to us, but use him to reach thousands and thousands of people. And as he trains planters as well, Lord, use him as he steps into that role and leads on our team. Lord, bless Ryan today. Bless his church. Expand the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's give a big Union Chapel welcome. Thank you, guys. Hey, it's a real privilege and honor to be here. And before I get into my message, um, I just have to give a couple thank yous. I, I need to first begin by thanking all of you who were around this church when Pastor Greg began casting the vision about planting churches. My guess is that when your pastor stood up and said, hey, we're going to do something crazy, God's told us to, to go plant churches, that you might have been a bit skeptical about giving to the initial campaigns where you raised the money to do that. And I would understand that if I were in your seat. But I just want you to understand that what you gave went out to church plants. And Union Chapel helped to fund us for five years. They helped to carry us. And, and today, what's happened is this unbelievable. Not only has our church grown, it has reached hundreds and hundreds of people who have made first-time decisions for Jesus Christ. But there are now 23 churches that have been planted in just a very short amount of time. Guys, it is unbelievable what God is doing through your faithfulness when you respond to those invitations of your pastor. So thank you, thank you. I also need to say thank you to Greg and another pastor on your staff, Pastor Robin Wood, because Greg was so generous to get behind us and, and to release the resources, and he's become a mentor and a friend. And Pastor Robin has just been uh, with me in the journey. Robin has become one of my closest friends and helped me through so many crises we had in the early days. I mean, moments when our church could have split or fallen apart and not made it off the ground, and Robin was there as a friend to pray with me and to help me. So guys, can you just give it up for Pastors Greg and Robin and what they do to help church planters? Thank you. All right. Well, guys, it is Valentine's Day weekend. We got Valentine's Day coming up. How many of you are just learning that for the first time? Anybody in here right now? Oh, boy, it's here. I'm 100% unprepared for that moment. Okay, I get it. That's me every single year. Well, because we are heading into Valentine's Day, it's an appropriate weekend for a relationship sermon. You all ready for a relationship sermon this weekend? All right. Now, here's the deal. Whenever somebody preaches on relationships, there's always this moment where, like, people are in different phases of the relationship journey, and you probably think, oh, we're only going to talk to the married people in the room, which I get. That's what we have a tendency sometimes to do in churches. But I think God has something for you, no matter where you are at and what stage of relationship you're at. 
So if you're walking into this room today, and let's say maybe you're like a Ball State college student and you're kind of on the dating scene right now and you haven't really met the one yet, there's something in this message that God's gonna give you. If you are in a longer-term relationship and you've been dating somebody for a while, maybe you have even made the decision that many, many people make, which is to, you, you, you kind of moved in together and thought, hey, we're gonna explore this and see if we could be married someday. There's something in this message for you. Maybe you're like me, married 16 years, four kids, and you know we've been through the ups and the downs of marriage. We've learned the beauty and the joy of marriage and the challenges of marriage. There's something in this for you. Maybe you're on the other side of a divorce or the other side of a loss of a spouse. I'm telling you there's something in this for you. The Spirit of God wants to speak to you today, and there's going to be an opportunity at the end of my message for you to respond in faithfulness moving forward with the future of of whatever relationship you're going to be in. And so I'm going to pray that God would open up your heart right now, because I can preach the lights out, but I can't get to your heart if your heart's closed off, right? So listen to me. We need to get our hearts open to what the Spirit of God wants to say to us today. So could you all pray with me right now? Come on, let's pray. Lord Jesus, You have something for all of us in any stage of the relationship journey. And I pray right now that our hearts would be soft. God, let us not have hardened hearts that don't want to respond and don't want to listen to you. Let us have hearts that are soft, that want to allow the word of God to to get in and to change us and to transform us. God, let us respond in faithfulness to whatever you ask us to do today. God, we're going to commit to that. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to open up by telling you my relationship journey. You get to hear a little bit about my love story. Okay, so again, my name is Ryan Miller. I am married to the most fantastic woman on earth. She's sitting in the audience, so you better say that as a husband, right? Absolutely the most fantastic woman in the world. Her name is Jana. She once was Jana Mallett. She is now Jana Miller. And we have four amazing kids together. But let me take you back to 2004 before I met Jana. So I was a senior in 2004 at Penn State University. Now, this is a real challenge for me because God called me to plant a church in Ohio. I kind of feel like I've been called to Nineveh. You know what I mean? I gotta reach those Buckeyes. It's a real challenge. They make fun of me every year when they destroy my Nittany Lions in a college football game. But I was a senior at Penn State University and I remember laying in my dorm room at night and and if I'm being really honest, I was kind of angry at God. I had known God for a long time. I was faithfully serving him. I had turned my heart to Jesus. I was genuinely serving the Lord. But I was frustrated that my plan for my life wasn't coming together. Because I had a plan. And the plan was that I was going to college, not to get an education, because that's the secondary reason of why you go to college. I was going to college to meet somebody. That was my plan. And I was supposed to be getting married at the end of my senior year. That was my plan. And here I found myself angry at the Lord. God, why aren't you bringing the right person in? I mean, I was striking out left and right. I mean, the last serious girlfriend I had in my life was my junior year of high school. From that moment on, I mean, nobody was interested. I'm sitting, I'm like, am I, am I that ugly? I mean, you know, I, I'm not on drugs. I can hold down a job. Like, shouldn't somebody be interested? I mean, come on. I mean, no, nobody, right? And little did I know that two years later, I would be standing on the altar of First Baptist Church in Marietta, Ohio. I would be holding the hands of my bride, and I would be committing my life to Janet. Little did I know that that was coming. Here's how the story came together. I graduated college, and, and Janet and I both came on staff of the same organization at the same time. 
So we, we both joined this campus ministry organization. Uh, it's called the CCO. I don't know if you've ever heard of it or not, but we, we, we both joined this organization, and she was preparing to go to Columbus, Ohio, on a college campus to minister to students. I was preparing to, to go to southwestern Pennsylvania, and we had to move into a college campus for eight weeks of training to be prepared to be deployed. So like 50 people joined this organization in the same year, and about 45 of them were just like us, people coming out of college who, who were single. I mean, we called it the summer of love. There were so many relationships that formed that summer. Some marriages came out of that summer. And so here's how I met Jana. I met her on a Foursquare court. We had, you know, if you ever played Foursquare, we played Foursquare, and she dominated me on Foursquare and then made fun of me afterwards. And I was like, I got to get to know this girl. There's something interesting here. And so we began sitting beside each other in class. And of course, a friendship started to build and eventually flirtatious signals started to go back and forth. You all know what this is like, right? And uh, eventually we started taking walks together and talking and the walks got longer and the talks got longer and the talks got deeper. And then came the absolute most terrifying day of my life, the DTR day. Do you all know what the DTR day is? That's the define the relationship day. You ever had one of those in your life? Yeah. Nothing will scare the life out of a young man like the DTR day. And I had to have a day where I had to have the DTR with Jana and express my feelings for her and see if she was feeling the same way back. And of course she was, which was unbelievable. I was like, oh, here we go. Okay, don't lose this one, Ryan. Don't mess this one up. And so we started dating. Our first day of being officially like boyfriend and girlfriend was the final day of that new staff training, final day. So she goes off to Columbus, Ohio. I end up in Southwestern Pennsylvania and we had to do a long distance relationship. So we're talking like over the phone, like hours on the phone. I mean, you gotta get over your fear of the phone if you've gotta talk to your girl on the phone for hours at a time. And we had to learn to communicate over the phone together. We'd only see each other every, every couple uh, of weeks. Well, man, I remember like that year of dating her long distance. My goodness, you have never seen a romantic guy like Ryan Miller that year. It was unbelievable. I decided, this is how crazy it got. I used to get her cards and I thought cards are boring. Anybody can go buy a card. I'm gonna make cards. I'm gonna make cards. And I would, I would take like scrapbook paper and fold it up and cut out letters Listen, I got four kids now. I do not have time to cut out cards anymore. But I, I mean, I would give her like handmade cards to try to express my feelings for her. And sure enough, we, we end up, you know, getting married. And it was June 10th of 2006 that, that we're, we're standing on the altar in front of our family and friends. And I remember that day when I, I just remember it so vividly. I was so emotional that day. And, and I remember, you know, just the, the feeling like God had overwhelmingly blessed me. Because here the desire of my heart was finally coming to pass. You know, there's a verse in the Bible that talks about the beauty of marriage and what it's like to find the person you're supposed to be with. It's Proverbs 18.22. It says it this way, that the man who finds a wife finds a treasure and he receives favor from the Lord. And I knew when I was standing there that day, I had found my treasure. I had found the woman I was going to spend my life with. And it was unbelievable. What a gift of God to me. Well, there was this moment in the ceremony where we had roses up on the altar. And so we went and we grabbed a rose and the music is playing and we go off the altar and we go down to, 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 to speak uh, to my, our, our parents and we were gonna give a rose to our mothers. They didn't know we were gonna do this. Well, I was totally unprepared for what this moment was going to be like for me. So I, I, I walked down with Janet and I give a rose to my mom and I hug my mom. And when I hugged her, I mean, I broke I broke, I mean, just began to sob. 
If you have ever been at a wedding where the groom breaks down, I mean, everybody breaks down, snot all over faces, just sobbing, tears, red face. I mean, it's the whole entire crowd, hundreds of people crying because I'm crying. I, I was crying the worst. I'm totally unprepared. No tissues in my pocket. I walk back up and, you know, get up front in front of everybody. I'm holding Jana's hands. And I mean, guys, like my sinus cavity is packed with goo. And I did this little like sneeze thing. And I'm telling you, a nine inch snot rocket just right down. I mean, it was almost on my shoulder. I got no tissues. I'm like, well, good thing it's a rental suit. Wipe that baby right off. You know what I'm saying? I mean, that's how we started our marriage. We got into the first year of marriage, and despite all of our idealistic visions of how marriage was supposed to go, oh boy, oh boy, marriage had some challenges to it. And I remember, you know, my, my wife, she became pregnant very, very quickly uh, in our first year of marriage, and she did not have, like, morning sickness. She had all-day sickness, and little did I know that when she would have all-day sickness, she would resent me every moment of the day for having created this pain in her life. She was so, so sick all the time with our first child, right? And, and I remember we had 52 blowout fights our first year of marriage, 52. You want to know how I know the number? That's how many Sunday mornings there are, 52. We fought every Sunday morning on the way to church. We'd climb in that car, and my mentality was, hey, church is really about the sermon, so I didn't mind if I missed some of the worship. Her mentality was church is really about the worship, and she wanted to be there early. And I'm telling you, every Sunday we fought on the way to church, and there were moments where like, what in the world did we sign ourselves up for? Well, listen to me, guys. I don't know where you're at in the, your relationship journey. Maybe you can resonate with a part of my story. Maybe you walk in here today and you're that person who is craving marriage in your future, craving finding the one, and maybe there's some bitterness even at God saying, why hasn't my plan come together as fast as I thought it was supposed to? Maybe you're right now, like you're in the center of the romance. You're the one cutting the cards, and it's amazing, isn't it? It's amazing. You're right in the center of the, of the heat of the passion and the romance and, and, and building toward a marriage. Maybe you're married, and maybe you have walked through some of the challenges that we've walked through over 16 years, the ups and the downs, the journeys and the trials of marriage. In fact, maybe you walk into this room and you go, man, I can remember what it was like when we used to be really romantic together. But man, 10 years have done a number on us. And we walk into this room and we're distant and we hold hands, but we feel like roommates in some way. And the passion seems to be gone. Maybe you're feeling some of that right now. Well, guys, I just want to tell you that God has a path forward no matter where you're at. If you're in singleness right now, if you're in a long-term committed relationship but not married yet, if you are married, if you're divorced and thinking that remarriage might be in your future, God has a path forward for you. And today I want to try to help you to understand what that path is. But we've got to first understand the challenges of marriage. Because, you know, the scriptures are very clear that even though marriage is a blessing, I mean, I just read you a verse that said it's a gift from the Lord. The scriptures are also clear on how hard it can be. And if you're in a relationship and, and hopefully you're progressing toward marriage at some point, you've got to understand when you get there, while it's amazing and a gift from God, it also is hard. Here's an example. Proverbs 27, chapter 15. Chapter 27, verse 15, a quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Drip, drip, drip. If you're a husband and you just nudge your wife, you are so in trouble when you get home, don't you? Put that elbow back, all right? Okay, here's another one, right? 
It is better to step in warm dog poop or to pass a kidney stone than to marry a self-centered, narcissistic man. That's not in the Bible. That should be in the Bible. Come on. That's true. Don't marry a self-centered man. Right? I mean, come on. Marriage can be a challenge. And even though God created it and wants to move us there in our relationships, I mean, he gave us this beautiful thing, that the most intimate relationship you could ever have with another person is within the context of a marriage. And God wants to move so many of us there. But my goodness, it can be challenging, can't it? It can be really hard when we get there. Well, listen, I want to help you to understand that I, I have a theory this morning. And my theory is, is that we got things wrong in the dating journey before we got to marriage. And because we got things wrong in the journey of getting to marriage... It set us up for some problems when we got there. You see, this is my theory that I can't prove, but I'm almost 100% certain I'm right about it. And I want to share with you what happens in most of our relationships as we're progressing toward marriage. In fact, maybe you're in a relationship right now, and and what I'm going to describe to you is like where you're at right now. I want to help you to understand what we do wrong in the journey that sets us up for the trouble when we get there into marriage. But to do that, we've got to understand what marriage even is. You know, there's this, there's this statement in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 19 where Jesus is put on the spot by the Pharisees. So the Pharisees are the religious leaders of the day. And they wanted to separate the crowds from Jesus and keep people from following him because they were jealous. So they would ask him really hard questions in front of people to try to get him to stumble. So they put this crazy hard question in front of him, and it was the question about divorce. Does God permit divorce? Does God permit remarriage? Very difficult question. By the way, I'm not going to dive into that question today. But in, that, in the response to that answer, in the response to that question, Jesus speaks out three verses about marriage that can help us to understand what God's design for marriage really is. And if we can understand that, then we can understand where we might have gone wrong in the process. So here's what God said, here's what, excuse me, what Jesus said in response in the, in the question on divorce. Matthew 19, verse 4. Haven't you read, he replied, That at the beginning, the creator made them male and female. And he said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. And check this out. And the two will become one flesh. So they're no longer two, but they're one. So therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Now check this out. Jesus is giving us an understanding of what marriage is, this relationship that that, that we should be heading toward unless God has given us a a calling of singleness on our life. And some people have a legitimate call by the Spirit of the Lord to singleness for his purposes. But unless that's the call in your life, this should be where we are eventually heading, is toward marriage. So we've got to understand what it is. Well, according to Jesus, what he does is he looks back into the Garden of Eden where God put together Adam and Eve, where he created Adam and said it's not good for Adam to be alone. He puts him to sleep. He takes a rib out of him. He creates Eve. And then God brings the first wedding to get the first marriage together. And so Jesus looks back at that event and uses that to describe what marriage is. He says, don't you know what God did back there? When he made the male and female. Don't you know that a man's supposed to leave his father and his mother, be united? Don't you know that two people are supposed to become one flesh? Don't you know that's what this is? 
So what is marriage, according to Jesus? Well, marriage in its simplest form is a man and a woman becoming one. That's what it is. In the simplest form, it's a man and a woman, not a man and a woman who are friends, not a man and a woman who are just lovers, not a man and a woman who, who are just experiencing some intimacy together, not a man and a woman who are just having romance together. It's actually a man and a woman becoming one. That's what it is. Now listen to me, Union Chapel, I want you to hear this. There's a process that we were supposed to walk through to become one. If you're married here today, it's very possible that the process got all all out of order to become one. If you're dating right now or thinking that dating is in your future so that marriage could be in your future, there's a process to become one. God doesn't doesn't take a man and a woman, hey, slap them together, boom, one, good luck, right? Like repelling, you know, from each other. I mean, it's not that easy. So there's a journey that we're supposed to go on to become one. And many of us got the journey wrong. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I'm going to use a metaphor this morning. I'm, I'm a props guy. I like, when I preach at my church in Ohio, I like to use props. And so um, we're going to build a house up here. And the house is going to represent the journey that a relationship is supposed to go on to becoming one together. All right? Now, I'm not a construction guy. So as I describe the construction of the house, I'm probably going to get it wrong. I had a construction guy come up to me at the 830 with a list. Here's everything you did wrong in your construction process on that house. He was joking with me. All right? But listen, we're going to build a house up here on the platform, and it's going to represent how a relationship is supposed to form, right? Because Jesus said it's a man and a woman becoming one. Well, if you ever try to build a house, you darn well better put a foundation in place, amen? You cannot go and try to build a house and just put walls out on the ground and, and just like, you know, just put a roof on top of the walls and expect it to stand up. You got to have a foundation, you got to have something to rest everything on, secure everything on. So what is the foundation of an unbelievable relationship? Well, the foundation is friendship. Like, you better become friends, really, really good friends, with the person that is going to become your future spouse. I mean, I think it's totally appropriate for a man and a woman, when they're on the journey to becoming one, when they're on the journey to getting married, I think it's totally appropriate for them to start as wonderful, awesome friends, and then to keep building the friendship over time. Friendship is the foundation of everything. I can tell you unequivocally, my wife is my best friend. Now, she would say I need a few more other friends, right? I'd probably drain her down a little bit by her always being my closest friend. But I'm serious, she's my best friend and she would say the same thing of me. We have a friendship together. So listen, if you're, if you're, if you're like on the dating scene thinking like who, who should I marry? You know what, start looking at your friends. They might just be looking at you too, all right? And then let them have the DTR with you, not the other way around. It's way easier that way, that's all I'm saying, okay? You gotta start with a friendship. Well, okay, what happens as a friendship develops and as a friendship progresses? I mean, if I'm going to build a house, the thing I'm going to put on top of the foundation is some walls, right? So the walls built on the top of the foundation of the friendship, what do the walls represent? The walls represent the romance. And this is the best part, isn't it? Come on, this is the most amazing part. I'm going to get this out of the way so you guys on that wing can see everything over here. Listen, the romance is so awesome, so amazing. And what's crazy is that 
in the romantic phase, like, like we've transitioned, we, we were friends and we started having feelings and somebody said, you know, I've got feelings, do you have them too? And they do. And now we start dating and we build this relationship. And what happens in here is that God does so much work in this phase. It's in this phase that we learn, here's what we learn, we learn how to belly laugh together. Right, if you're with somebody, I mean, don't you love to belly laugh with the person that you're with? It's in this phase that you develop the most inappropriate humor you could never tell anybody else about, just between the two of you, and you laugh and you laugh and you laugh. It's in this phase that you learn to encourage each other, and you build each other up, and, and, and you lift each other up when you're down. It's in this phase that, that you start to, when somebody comes home from work and they're just struggling, that you breathe life into them. All of those patterns start to develop in the romance journey. It's in the romance journey that you learn how to forgive each other because there ain't no perfect relationships out there. If you think you're in one, you're lying. It's not true. Every relationship struggles because every relationship has two people who are selfish in it. And part of what God does is whittle away our selfishness. So he whittles that away in the romantic journey. Then he teaches us how to forgive each other when we don't do it real well in the romantic journey. It's in the romantic journey we learn to receive forgiveness from the person we're with. It's in the romantic journey that we learn just how to breathe life into each other. I mean, there, there, there's so much good that happens here. We learn how to communicate. We learn how to talk. We learn how to have conversations that are extended and long, and they don't get dry and boring. All of this develops right here. So God uses this for good. Some of you are in this right now. It's amazing, isn't it? God uses this for good. Well, eventually what happens as you're on the journey of a romance, there, there, there comes this point where you say, you know what? I don't ever again want to experience this with another girl. I don't want to experience this with another guy. I want this to be the one and only time in my life. I want this to be the person that I'm with forever. And it is then that the couple decides to move on, to, to, to put the ceiling on top of the walls. You know what the ceiling is, right? The ceiling is marriage. This is where we tie the knot. We come together. This darn thing, there we go. This is where we, 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 we put the root, we, or excuse me, we put the ceiling on the house. We, we seal up the relationship and say, we stand before our family and our friends and before God, and we say, I'm with you for life. That unless death separates us, that death is the only thing that can separate us, that unless death separates us, you will be the last person that I ever experience this depth of romance with. I'm sealing it up with marriage. Now this is the design and the plan of God. And you're gonna notice that I left the best part out, right? Because there's still a roof to go on the house. So how does God go about bringing two people together into one? How does this oneness take place? Well, it takes place when the roof goes on the house and God's plan and in God's design. You know what the roof represents. Come on, the roof represents sex. God uses this for good. And you know, it's in the process of sexual intimacy that the two become one. And listen to me, you gotta understand that, that, that marriage is, like this is so much more than a contract. 
So many of us get confused and we just think, gosh, can I just live with him? Can I just, just go that route? Like, what's the difference between living with somebody and, and, and actually being married? Is it nothing more than a contract? No. Spiritually speaking, it's a oneness that only happens inside of the context of the covenant of marriage and sexual intimacy. It's the thing that unifies and brings everything together and that seals the oneness. And this is why when couples go through divorces, it's so painful because you have one that now get ripped apart into two. And maybe you're here today, you've been on the other side of a divorce and you know the pain that it takes, that happens to you when you go from one back to two. Listen, God doesn't want this. God wants us to have thriving marriages with each other. But listen to me, there's a design and there's a plan on how we get there. So if marriage is God bringing a man and a woman together as one, then there's a, there's a process and a plan that gets us there. Here's my theory. My theory is that the vast majority of us, if we're really honest, got this totally wrong. Here's what most of us did. Now listen, this, this what I'm about to tell you is not just a statement to the single people. It's not just a statement to the dating people. It's not just a statement to the people who are living in together right now. This is a statement even to us married couples. So let's not be judgmental because we probably did this too on our journey. Here's what most of us do. We listen to the lies of the world. We take this and we put it right here. Now, if I actually tried to build a house this way, and I put the roof on the foundation, and I tried to put the walls on top of the roof and, and seal the deal with marriage on top of all that, everything's coming down. You see, there's this lie in the culture. There, there's multiple lies. So every show you watch is, is telling you something about how relationships are supposed to progress. Songs you're listening to are telling you the story of how relationships are supposed to progress, right? And then on top of that, you've got all your friends who are following the ways of the world. And so they're coming to you with their theories on how it's supposed to progress. And everything is telling you, put it here. Heck, sometimes we put it here before there's any friendship at all, right? Like, like this is what the world is telling us to do. And you know, we're so confused about this because there's this other lie that's, that's subtly getting communicated. And the other lie is that God didn't know what he was doing. The other lie is that we were the ones, we came up with this idea of sex. And God wanted to rob us of the joy of it and said, well, fine, if you're gonna do that, guess what? I'm gonna put it all the way back here. You can't experience it. Listen to me, that's a lie. It's a lie that originated in hell. You tell me God didn't know what he was doing when he created male and female and he put tens of thousands of nerve endings in the same region of the body? You think he didn't know what he was doing? He thought about it more than you did. He thought it through. He knew what he was doing. God's plan was never to rob us of joy and delight. God's plan was that there's an order and a structure and a process and he wants us to be in the most life-giving, intimate relationship with another human being we could ever possibly have. A relationship that's so close that, that, script, that the writers of scripture would actually say that relationship reflects what it's like to know Jesus. It's the relationship of marriage and God wants us there. But what happens is so many of us built the house wrong so that by the time we got to marriage, what we did is we short-circuited too many things in here. So we put the sex early in the relationship, and then guess what happened? The forgiveness never developed the way it was supposed to, and the belly laughter never developed the way it was supposed to. 
and the breathing life into each other never developed the way it was supposed to. And the encouragement never developed the way it was supposed to. Everything got, got short-circuited because we took this nuclear force of sexual intimacy and we entered it in way too fast. And so now you go, you know, you might be here today going, gosh, I'm 15 years into marriage. Like, is this still affecting me? Is the fact that we got this out of order affecting me today? And my argument would be to you, yes, I think it is. Not because God hasn't forgiven you. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you've turned your heart to Christ, you're forgiven. You are 100% forgiven. Christ's death on the cross and your receiving of him as your Savior and you're putting faith in him, you, you, you are forgiven. But there are still consequences to the decisions, right? And so you might be 15 years into marriage realizing we never developed what we were supposed to and we never went through the counseling to have fixed it. So unless you went through the counseling that was necessary to start to build the things that were supposed to have developed here, you may still be facing the consequences today for the decisions that were done years ago. Now listen to me. Here's the deal. We serve a God who loves us. And we serve a God who always has a path forward for us. It is never too late to turn your heart to Jesus, to turn to God, to follow his ways. It's never too late, right? Do you guys know that? It's never too late. And so I want you to understand that today can be a turning point for you. And God has a different future out in front of you if you will turn to his ways. And his future, I promise you, it's better. It's better than what the world is telling you. And God has that in front of you, but you gotta make a decision. And so today, I believe, is gonna be decision day for many of us in this room. So I'm gonna give three kinds of decisions that can be made today. Here's what's gonna happen. I'm gonna give three possible decisions that can be made today, and then I'm gonna pray. And when I'm done praying, a whole bunch of people are getting baptized. They're gonna make their way forward. So you folks who are getting baptized are gonna come forward, and the band's gonna play, and, they're gonna, and they're, you're gonna get baptized. But while that's happening... While they make their way forward, I think there's some other people that need to make their way forward as well. So let me tell you three decisions that can be made today. The first is for anybody who is single. It doesn't matter if you're single because you're young and just kind of dating for the first time, or if you're single because you're in your 40s or your 50s and on the other side of a divorce, you're single. And a relationship's in your future. Here's the decision you can make today. The decision you can make today is to say, God, it's a commitment to God. God, the next relationship that I'm in will follow this process. I will not follow the ways of the world and get sex out of order. I will not short circuit what you want to do in my romance. And if you're here and you're dating somebody, maybe not real seriously, maybe you've already messed this all up, it's okay. I'm telling you that God loves you and there's a path forward, but it starts with a commitment today. To say, I'm moving forward. And listen to me, I'm gonna speak specifically to you ladies for a second. If he doesn't affirm that moving forward, he's not the right one. He is not the right one. Because God has a man who loves him for you. I want you to know that. So you can make that decision today as a person who's on the dating scene, even a person who's in a later stage of life and thinking another relationship might be in your future. Here's another decision you can make. If you're somebody who's in a very serious relationship, Maybe you've been dating for a long time. This thing's just kind of dragging on. We're not really sure, like, are we marrying each other or not? Maybe you've even moved to the point of moving in together. Listen to me, that was wrong. That was wrong. But God loves you, and God will forgive you through Christ, and God has a path forward through for you. So here's what your decision can look like. 
your decision today can look like, here's what we're doing, honey. Six months down the road, we're setting the date. We're doing it. We are going to get married. And here's what the next six months look like for us. This is no longer going to be down here. We're going to save it, and we're going to wait, and we're going to work on our romance together for the next six months, and then we're going to get married. And let me tell you something, it's going to be a hot time in the old town tonight when we get to that wedding day. That's a decision you can make. It's the most God-honoring thing you could do right now as a person who's living with somebody else or in a long-term relationship with somebody else. It's the most God-honoring decision and the best decision for your future marriage you could make. If you're married, here's a decision you can make today. Maybe you look back and you realize, you know what, we did get this wrong. We did. We short-circuited some things. So the greatest decision you could make today is to say today will be a turning point in our marriage. We will commit to going back and to rebuilding what was supposed to have been built here. Here's what that looks like. Some of you need to get into counseling. Some of you need to say, we're no longer going to accept just feeling like roommates who are distant. We're no longer going to accept just the infrequency of sexual intimacy inside of our marriage. We're no longer going to accept the fighting, the snapping at each other. We're no longer, that's unacceptable. We are moving forward. We're gonna go back and rebuild this. It may take a counselor to do it. And so listen to me, if you wanna make any one of those decisions as a single person, as a dating person, as somebody who's living with somebody, as a married person, if you wanna make any one of those kinds of decisions, here's what we're gonna do. Everybody up on your feet right now. Everybody up on your feet. Our band is gonna come forward in just a second. And I'm gonna pray for you. And when we're done praying, the people who are getting baptized are gonna make their way forward. But here's what I want you to do. If you're making a decision today to move forward in your relationship, whatever it is, in a different kind of way, I want you to step out of your seat. I want you to come forward and just get your hands in the air and worship while people are being baptized. Worship right up here. And you're step, stepping out of your seat and saying, I'm in. We're doing it this way. I'm moving forward. God has a different plan. Come on, I'm telling you, God will be so honored by your decision today. So come on, I'm gonna pray that the spirit of the Lord will move some of you out of your seats to come right up here to the front and begin to worship. Hands in the air, let's come on, let's pray. Jesus, 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 we wanna worship you and we wanna move forward under a different future. We don't wanna stay in rebellion against the plan of God anymore. So God, bring us a spirit of repentance. Bring us a heart of change. Bring us a heart that would turn to you. Oh God, move today. God, move in the hearts of people who have a future relationship. They're single now, but they've got a future relationship and they wanna do it differently. Move in the hearts of people who've been dating for a long time, living in together. Move in their hearts right now. Bring them to repentance, Jesus, and help them to move to a different way forward. Move in the hearts of our married couples in this room who are struggling and need a turning point today in their marriage and a commitment to work on everything all over again. Move in their hearts today. God, you've got a plan. You've got a plan. You've got a future. Amen, amen, amen. Listen, don't be shy. Just make your way out of your seat. If you feel the spirit of God is stirring you, just come up. We're gonna worship together up front. I'll join you right up here to worship with you.